0: Hi, this is Pastor David Elijah, and we are New Millennium Kingdom Church. We are coming to you from South Texas, and today is Saturday, November the 14th, and we are going to continue our series on the book of Revelation. This is part six of it. So before we begin, let us pray. Thank you, Lord. Father, we just thank you, Lord, for today. We thank you, Father, for your word. We thank you, Lord, for this honor, this privilege, this time that we can spend with you in your word knowing that the times and seasons are very unique and we must learn from your word that we are able to understand the times that we live in. So help us, give us revelation, give us insight, give us foresight so we will be prepared for all the events that are to come in the near future. So bless this time, bless the people that are hearing it and help us to fully understand your word through the Holy Spirit. In Jesus' mighty name we pray, amen. Before we begin, let's just do our intro. So in the last few sessions, we covered the whole of chapter one, and now we are going to go into Revelation chapter 2, we covered the first six verses. And the last one that we heard was about those who are able to hear the Word of God and those who are able to hear the Spirit of God and what God is speaking to the churches so that we are able to understand that it has been written to the church. It's been written to those who are believers. So Revelation chapter 2, verse 7 says, He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. So when we read the book of Revelation, the Holy Spirit is speaking directly to us through the living Word. And those who hear and obey, not just hear and just put it off. A lot of people study the book of Revelation, but they don't actually apply it. They study it like a historical book, and they find it very fascinating, very interesting, but they don't really actually apply it to their life. So it's to those who are obedient to this word, not just hearing it, but obeying it. So it's to him who overcomes, or to her who overcomes. I will give to eat from the tree of life, which is in the midst of the paradise of God. So this is one of the first of the promises that Jesus gives to the overcomers. And right through the first few chapters, you will see how Jesus is promising the churches specific rewards that are for overcomers. That word is very clear. God requires us to do something. Faith is action. Everybody says, oh, I believe in Jesus and I love Jesus, but there's no action connected to their life. So if their lifestyle doesn't match their words and their confession, then most probably they are hypocrites or they are compromised or they are just playing games. So this is specific. This book is to be studied by those who really want to hear it, study it, and then obey it. Then they can access the promises that God has for the overcomers. So, this first promise is to him who overcomes, I will give to eat from the tree of life, which is in the midst of the paradise of God. So, like I said in the last episode, that not just anybody just stroll up to the tree of life and just pluck from that tree and eat from the fruit without authorization, without permission from Jesus Christ himself. No one else can just go up to that tree. God is the one who gives permission, and He gives you permission to eat from the tree of life. So that's an amazing promise. Revelation chapter two, verse eight, and now He begins to write a new letter to another church. So it says here, and to the angel of the church in Smyrna, write. So the Lord is telling to the angel to write it down, give it to John, and then let John deliver it to these churches. These things, says the first and the last, who was dead and came to life. So again, Jesus is saying, I am the resurrected Christ. I was dead and I rose from the dead and I came back to life and life eternal. So it's the Lord himself who is writing this, who is speaking this, who is declaring it and who's revealing it to John the apostle through his angel. So verse 9, I know your works. Jesus is saying He is Almighty God. He knows every detail of every person's life. He knows all your works, all your activities, all your intentions, your motives, everything about you God already knows. He has foreknowledge. He can look right into you. He can see everything, all your emotions, your attitudes, everything. It's exposed before God. And only God Almighty can say this. Jesus came as a man, but He was truly God in the form of man. So he's the Son of Man, he is the Son of God, and he is God Almighty. And only he can claim this. Nobody else can say this. Mary cannot say it. Mary has never mentioned like this ever in her whole miserable life on this planet. Mary lived a miserable life. She was just cursed and, you know, she was just insulted and mocked and scorned her whole life. That was her life. But she never claimed to be God. She never claimed to say, I have all knowledge, or you come to worship me. And the Catholic Church is very proud of her. They have built so many churches and cathedrals all over the planet, focusing on Mary, which is a complete lie. It's a blasphemy. It's a heresy. So the book of Revelation clearly clears up that kind of a misinformation or, or wrong doctrine, wrong teaching, or wrong gospel. And Jesus here says, I know your works, tribulation and poverty, but you are rich. And I know the blasphemy of those who say they are Jews and are not. So Jesus is directly focused on those Jewish people that follow Zionism. They follow the law of Moses and they say they're Jews. There are a lot of financiers and world rulers and they have Jewish heritage, Jewish backgrounds. And they say, oh, we are Jews, so we have the right to have power over finances, power over government, power over media. There are a lot of Jewish organizations that rule because of their financial strength. But the Lord looks at them and says, you say you are Jews, but you are not, but are a synagogue of Satan. So he's calling them Satanic, or they go to the synagogue and they do all the rituals and they do all the traditions, and he's straight out calling them Satanists. So there are a lot of people that walk around, say, you know, we are this and we are that, and we have Jewish background and Jewish roots and Hebrew roots and all of that. And all that is satanic in God's eyes. Your righteousness comes only through the blood of Jesus, not through tradition, not through the law of Moses, not by keeping the Sabbath, none of those things. There are a lot of Christians that have caught on to that, and they're running with that, thinking, oh, it makes them more spiritual. You see that across the charismatic church, and they're just making a mockery of the cross of Jesus Christ. They're saying the cross is not enough. We need to do all these other extra things, and keep the law of Moses, and then we are justified before God, and we are more righteous than everybody else. And they walk around with a spiritual authority, thinking they are far superior than everybody else. And that, again, is a deception. It's a delusion. So Jesus is saying very clearly, these, are, say, these people say they're Jews, but they're not. And what are they? They are a synagogue of Satan. Anybody that preaches another gospel, Galatians chapter 1, verse 8, what does it say? They are anathema. Anybody that brings to you more than the cross, anything more than the cross, they are anathema, condemned, condemned to eternal hell. You cannot mix the gospel with Zionism and with uh, Judaism and say, look, that's the gospel. And it's very popular on Christian television. There are a lot of rabbis throwing out their, their, their Old Testament teachings and saying, oh, if you don't follow the Old Testament teaching, then you're not a proper Christian. That's a deception. These are so-called Jews that they say are Messianic Jews, but they are from the synagogue of Satan. Why is that? Because they are mixing the simple gospel. The pure gospel, the full gospel of Jesus is that he died on the cross, the Messiah, the Son of God, the Lamb of God. He died for your wretchedness, for your wickedness, for your iniquity. And when you receive him, when he saves you from your sin, that is a simple gospel. You don't need to add to that. You don't need to do anything else. You don't need to jump through hoops. You don't have to do any religious traditions and keeping Sabbaths and all of the Old Testament rules and regulations. You don't need that. That's why it's called the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. John begins his uh, gospel by saying, The law came through Moses, but the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ has come to us. So it says, verse 10, Do not fear any of those things which you are about to suffer, Indeed, the devil is about to throw some of you into prison that you may be tested, and you will have tribulation 10 days. So the Lord is saying, look, you follow the true gospel, you will get persecuted. You will get thrown into prison. But all those things are to test you. It's to test your faith. It's to test whether you truly believe in Christ alone, in the holy word of God alone, without the traditions of men and traditions of elders and all these silly things that people want to put on you as false burdens, and say, if you don't do this and don't do that, then you're not justified before God. But the Lord is saying, when you go through fire, when you go through a trial, when you go through a persecution or a testing, it is to purify your faith. It says that you may be tested, and you will have tribulation 10 days. Tribulation will come to the true believer. You cannot avoid it. It's the cowards that don't want tribulation. It's the cowards that say, oh, I don't want persecution, I don't want to fight. Let's make peace with the devil. Let's just, you know, just get along with everybody. Even if they're wicked and nasty and evil, let's just get along with them. We see that compromise across the board everywhere today. But what is Jesus' recommendation? What does he say to do? He says, be faithful until death, and I will give you the crown of life. So the Lord is challenging every true believer. Even if you are faced with death, the Lord is saying, be faithful unto me don't care about other people and their feelings and they get offended and they uh, they don't like the gospel and they don't like Jesus's words they say oh be politically correct and be nice and and be loving and be kind and that's that's just a, a double speak for saying be compromised and fall down in front of us and bow down to evil so that we can have control over your life that's the the move of the enemy saying oh if you're a christian you're just going to be a nice person and that's it And there are Christians that have bought into that lie. Oh, I just have to be nice. I don't want to offend anybody. I don't want to hurt anybody's feelings. And oh, I just want to love everybody. Yes, but the Word of God is sharper than any two-edged sword. The minute you come forth with the true Word of God, it's going to cut through, it's going to cause pain, it's going to cause crucifixion, it's going to expose lies, it's going to expose deception, it's going to expose all the fake nonsense that people do, it's going to expose all the narcissism, all the hypocrisy, all the compromise. That's what the Word of God does. And then what happens? It creates conflict. You have brought a sword now, and that sword is going to cause conflict. You will have a fight on your hands now. And that's just the true gospel. If you're not persecuted, you don't get in tribulation, you don't suffer for your faith, then there's something wrong with your faith. Your confession is compromised. Check your words. Check how you stand as a witness of Jesus Christ. A lot of people say, I love Jesus, but I'm not gonna witness about him. I'm not gonna mention him, especially in the marketplace because, oh, that's bad for business. There's a lot of hypocrites that are running around saying, I'm a Christian, I'm a pastor, and I also do business, but when it comes to money, I'm not going to mention Jesus because it's going to, I'm going to lose customers. I'm going to lose clients. They make that choice. So then they're saying, no, I don't serve Jesus. I serve mammon. So they will not receive the crown of life. These people are deluded. They're deceiving themselves. Jesus says, if you confess me before men, I will confess you before my father. But then he also warned. He says, if you deny me before men, I will also deny you before my father. These people will come running to Jesus on the last day and say, Lord, look, we did all this for you. And he will say, I don't know you. Depart from me, you worker of lawlessness. You worker of iniquity. Why is that? Because they, they proclaim to be Christians, but they deny Jesus every single day. These are the hypocrites running around saying, oh, look, I'm successful. And look, I have money. God bless me. But I'm not going to be a testimony to Jesus. I'm not going to mention his name. Because if I do that, people will get offended and I don't want to offend people, I don't want to hurt people's feelings, then you're a people pleaser. You're a man pleaser. You love money more than God. But to those who are ready to pay the price, those who are saying, I will die for my faith. I will be a witness until the end. And even if I die, I will be with Him. Then I will be given the crown of life. We are in times where literally we may physically have to die so that we will receive the crown of life. The cowards will not. The cowards will go over to Antichrist. The cowards will bow down to all the pressure of society and all the government and everybody that's going to say, hey, bow down, you Christian, or we will kill you. And they will, the cowardly Christians, so-called Christians, say, oh, no, don't kill me. I will bow down. Don't kill me. And that's what's going to take place, a separation of the true believers from the fake believers, from the goats and the sheep. So Jesus commends. He doesn't say, please. He just says, be faithful until death. This is a challenge for any true believer. Lord, do I really have to die for you? Well, if you have to, go for it. Gladly die for Jesus, and I will give you the crown of life. This is a promise that Jesus gives. You will only come to know whether this word is true until after you die. So it is a test of faith. You're just believing on face value. When you read the sentence... An unbeliever will say, oh, no, I'm not going to die. I don't know whether I'll get the crown of life. But a true believer says, you know what? I will die and then find out whether I'll get the crown of life or not. That's an act of faith, desperate faith, crazy faith, insane faith. Who's going to die for for an invisible God that you have not seen? That is real faith. The three brothers in the Old Testament, Shadrach, Meshach, Abednego, told the king, the wicked king, that we're not going to bow to you. And the king says, I will throw you in the furnace, in the burning fire. And they said, oh, king, you throw us in the fire, we will still not bow to you. And our God will rescue us. And if he doesn't even rescue us, we will still not bow to you. So they paid the price. They said, we will die. Whether he rescues us or doesn't rescue us, we're ready to die for him. But we will not bow to the wicked king. And what happened? They threw, got thrown in the fire. But did they die? No. The wicked king saw Jesus in the fire. He asked his soldiers, he says, Hey, didn't we throw three young men in the fire? Look, I see one like the Son of Man with them in the fire. That's the test for today's New Testament believer. If you get thrown in the fire, you get shot, you get killed, you get your head cut off. Are you ready to say, even if God doesn't come, even if Jesus doesn't come to save me at my moment of death, I will still die for him. It's the same test. That's why Shadrach, Meshach, Abednego, their names are written in the Bible. If you want your name written in the Lamb's book of life, that could be the ultimate price you have to pay so that you will get the crown of life. This is a serious book. A lot of people don't like to read this book because of these kind of scriptures, where the Lord Jesus himself is saying, be faithful until death. He's telling you, if you have to die for me, you better die for me. Be faithful And then he says, Dan, and I will give you the crown of life. You don't receive the crown of life before you die. You receive the crown of life after you die. That means there is life after death, eternal life with Jesus. That is the gospel. Today, even if I have to die for my faith, because I trust and believe in Jesus, by faith alone, I don't see any visions. I don't see angels. I don't have any supernatural experience. I don't get any goosebumps. I don't feel the Holy Spirit. None of that just based on pure faith in this promise. And that takes real faith. You can't fake the stuff. You can't play church. You can't play games. When your life is on the line and you really have to pass that test, you'll have to pass it by dying. And how many will actually have that kind of faith? That's why the Lord says when He comes, will He find faith on the earth? Because so many will give up their faith. So many will fall away. The apostasy is happening all around us. Already, even before that moment, people are already walking away from Christ. Because it's too painful, it's too hard, it's too difficult. Oh no, I don't like following Jesus, it's too difficult. I want the easy life, I want the best life. That's what the devil tells you. Get your best life now. You have Satan's messengers on Christian television telling you that. Get your best life now. Yeah, get your best life now. And in the life to come, you will burn in eternity for hell with those preachers that tell you that. But what does Jesus tell you? You will have tribulation. You will suffer. You will be thrown into prison. You will have to die for your faith. That's the gospel. It's the tough gospel, but it is the true gospel. And compare that with what the preacher on the TV, those clowns, those leprechauns on Christian television are telling you. All the prosperity preachers lined up one by one. There's a special place in hell for these people because they're not preaching the true gospel. They're preaching money, mammon, the best life now, health, wealth, prosperity now. That is not what Jesus is promising. He's promising you tribulation. He's promising you prison time. He's promising you death. And then he's rewarding you in the afterlife. Can you believe that? That is hard to believe. It's easy to believe the prosperity gospel. It is very difficult and challenging to believe the true gospel. So if any of you listening right now, if you've been following the prosperity gospel and say, oh yeah, I love this gospel because it's so easy to follow, you're following the false gospel. It's the gospel straight from the pit of hell. But when you read the scriptures, the true scriptures, instead of being lazy, instead of opening up your Bible yourself and studying the Bible and then comparing what these people are telling you on TV, you will know whether this is the truth or it's not. Very quickly you'll find out these people are hypocrites and liars and deceivers, manipulators, coming in the name of Jesus, but they only want your money. Simple as that. It says, be faithful until death. What is the prosperity preacher saying? Just send me your money and everything is good to go. That's the difference. Jesus is saying, be faithful until death. You're going to die for my faith. And the prosperity preacher is making a mockery of the words of God. Revelation chapter 2, verse 11. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. Again and again, this is repeated. Why? Because people are tone deaf now. People don't want to hear the truth. They love lies. They love deception. They love false doctrine. They love false teachers. They love false prophets. False prophets today are the most popular all over the world, all across YouTube. False prophets, it's like a wave. It's like a pandemic of false prophets. It's sickening to watch. You watch it for two minutes, and you're like, where are these people getting these words? Because directly opposite to what the Bible says. It's a lying spirit that's operating upon thousands and thousands of people, men and women. And they're saying, oh, I had a vision, and I had this and that. Does it compare to the Word of God? If it doesn't, it's a piece of garbage. But they never repent. They never say, you know what, I was wrong. They never say, you know, well, all those... Word of the Lord I got, and this and that, from the beginning of January 2020 till now, we are in November, none of these fake prophets have apologized or come clean and said, you know what, I was wrong, except for one or two. There's one lady I know, she came out of the NAR, and she's openly confessing, I was a false prophetess. She's openly saying it. kudos to her. She had the courage. One single woman had the courage to come up. I think her name is Dawn Hill or something like that. And she's recently come out of the NAR. For those who don't know, NAR is New Apostolic Reformation. It's a bunch of jokers calling themselves apostles. And this lady came out of that saying, you know what? I was running around with these people, and I f- the Holy Spirit convicted me and made me realize that I'm a false prophetess. And she repented openly, publicly, to her shame. But she's accepting it. She has g- g- courage. God will forgive her. And the ones who are still running around saying, No, I'm an apostle and I'm a prophet. They're going to get their heads bashed in. Revelation chapter 2, verse 11. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. He who overcomes shall not be hurt by the second death. This is a powerful verse. If you overcome and you keep paying the price and you do not stop till you die, literally, even if you have to give up your life for Jesus, You shall not be hurt by the second death. What is that, the second death? The first death is physical death. Everybody faces that. But Jesus is mentioning the second death. That is eternal death. Eternally dying from the presence of God. That he says you will be spared from that. So to overcome, there's a great reward. Today I overcome and I pay whatever price I need to pay. I don't have to worry about the second death. But those who compromise, those who sold the gospel, those who preach false doctrine, those who prophesied lies and you know all kind of junk, they will be hurt by the second death. They will be cut off from the presence of Jesus for eternity. He will call them workers of iniquity. They won't get a second chance to come into heaven. Today is the day of salvation. Today is the day of repentance. Today you turn from your garbage and your nonsense. And we are talking to the church. We're not even talking to unbelievers. There is so much compromise, there's so much garbage going on inside of the church. There's a cancer that has spread across the body of Christ, and the charismatics are to blame for that. I was part of that movement. I can say that with full confidence because I was part of that madness for a long time. And I could see the dichotomy. I could see the the doubleness, double-mindedness of all the things going on. I saw the fakery. I saw all of it. I'm like, what is going on? That's why I call it a circus, because there's so much madness. There's so many clowns. There's so many crazy people. And I was part of that craziness. I was crazy myself. So God knocked me on my head and got me out of there, graciously rescued me out of that bunch of mad, crazy people. And I got deliverance. I had to be set free from some of those spirits that had jumped on me. There's a transference of spirits that takes place in these churches. Got to be very careful when you enter some of these churches. They'll pass on wrong spirits onto you. They lay hands on you and they prophesy over you, and they'll pass on a lying spirit upon you. They'll pass a Kundalini spirit on you, and then you'll suffer for a long time. So you have to be very careful. Revelation chapter two verse eleven: He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. The Lord keeps repeating that because not many people are hearing they're hearing the false prophets, they're hearing the fake preachers, they're hearing false doctrine, they're getting deceived by Satan. All that they're hearing. They're hearing the New Age. So much of the New Age has come into the church. And the NAR is fully responsible for that. They have introduced New Age into the body of Christ. These are New Age gurus operating as apostles. And you can see all their manifestations. It's just insane. There are plenty of videos exposing all of it you can go and search for it i won't go into it but god is warning he says he who overcomes shall not be hurt by the second death that means you must overcome and in in our time we have to overcome deception false doctrine false teachers false prophets false apostles we must overcome this whole bunch of wicked evil leprechauns from hell that's part of the overcoming If you're bound by these people, if you're entangled in their false doctrines and teachings, pray and ask God to set you free from it. Because it's a very deceptive teaching. It's a very, very pervasive and influential teaching. And they use music to influence a whole generation of young people. Their music is very seductive, very pulls you in. And then the teaching will go inside of you, and now you're ruined. But you don't want to face the second death. You don't want to face Jesus on the last day, and he says, I don't know you. He said, Lord, I followed this apostle. Lord, I followed this prophet. Lord, I follow. He says, yeah, you follow all of them. You never followed me. You never read my word. You never obeyed my words. You were chasing some false prophecy, chasing some false vision, chasing some word of the Lord that they gave to you. That's what you were chasing. You were not studying your Bible. You were not obeying the sure prophecy. The testimony of Jesus is sure prophecy. But no, we give up on that, and we chase after false words from false, fake people. Revelation chapter 2, verse 12. And to the angel of the church in Pergamos write, These things says he who has the sharp two-edged sword. So the Lord himself has the two sharp two-edged sword. That is the Word of God. He is the Word of God, and he has a, a sword that's two-edged, and it's very sharp. And you think he's coming to play games? No. He's going to come with the wrath of the winepress of the wrath of God upon the earth when he comes. The day of the Lord is a day of vengeance. It's a dangerous day for unbelievers and for compromised Christians. So he's saying it. He's not coming with, you know, a little bell in his hand or something. He's coming with a sword in his hand. He's the God of war. He's coming for a lot of trouble. He's going to trouble the whole planet, distress of nations, the Bible says. These things says he who has the sharp two-edged sword. Verse 13, I know your works and where you dwell, where Satan's throne is. And you hold fast to my name and did not deny my faith, even in the days in which Antipas was my faithful martyr, who was killed among you, where Satan dwells. So this is a, from the old times where the believers were dying in the time where Antipas was there, and they were getting martyred. And he's commending them, you'll have done a great job. Where is Satan's throne? At the time it was in Jerusalem, it was in Rome. And he says, you know what, well done. you y'all pass the test. And you were underneath the dwelling place of Satan where he rules under human governments, where he's the one who's actually ruling over you, evil dictators, evil rulers, evil kings. And he says, you all suffered, but you all passed the test. But, verse 14, I have a few things against you. So the Lord knows the price you paid. He knows the walk you walked for him. He's commending them for that. But he also says he has something against us. And it applies to us today. But I have a few things against you. Because you have there those who hold the doctrine of Balaam. This is what I'm talking about. A lot of Christian leaders have the doctrine of Balaam. What was Balaam guilty of? He was a soothsayer. He was a wizard. He was a false prophet. And his problem was that he took money from the wicked kings to come against Israel, to come against the people of God. Today's false prophet, false apostles, they're taking money, and they are deceiving the church. They're deceiving the body of Christ. They hold the doctrine of Balaam. And what did they do? They taught Balak to put a stumbling block before the children of Israel. These false prophets, false apostles, false teachers, they're putting a stumbling block amongst the sheep. Innocent sheep, naive sheep, and these so-called Christian leaders are putting a stumbling block in front of them with their false doctrines, false teaching, false prophecies. And it says, What to eat things sacrificed to idols? The NAR has brought in New Age teachings. Those New Age teachings are things sacrificed to idols, Hinduism, yoga, new age stuff, astral projection, all kinds of necromancy and divination and grave sucking and so many things that they've brought into the church. You know, even the labyrinth prayer and so many, so many things that you can think of. And they are doing that to put a stumbling block in front of true believers and, and simple people and to commit sexual immorality. All these Pastors, preachers are falling one by one because of sexual immorality. And not just sexual, but spiritual immorality. They are encountering demons and they're saying, oh, we're talking to angels. And angels are bringing information from heaven to us. Anybody that says, oh, angels are coming and communicating with them, they are talking to fallen angels. They're talking to demons. And they're bringing that information to the general people and saying, look, God is speaking to me. The role of angels bringing messages is over. Today, the primary way that God communicates with His church is through His Word, through His Holy Spirit. That's it, period. He doesn't need to send angels anymore. If angels are coming down and communicating with these apostles and all these crazy people, they are fallen angels. They are deceivers. They are not coming from heaven. They're coming from the second heavens. They're coming from the prince of the power of the air. God Almighty is not sending angels anymore. That is not biblical. Verse 15, Thus you also have those who hold the doctrine of the Nicolaitans, which thing I hate. Again, the Nicolaitans had a, a doctrine where they would act like the clergy and they would force their doctrines upon the people, just like the Catholic Church. And God says, I hate that. That doctrine is hated by God. If you're under that kind of doctrine, under that kind of false leadership and false You know, authority, like the Vatican and the Catholic Church, the Pope, and even the NAR, the NAR functions just like the Catholic Church. Oh, you need spiritual fathers, and you have apostles over you, and the pastors under me, and all that is a pyramid scheme. It's a Ponzi scheme, and God hates that. Verse 16, Repent, or else I will come to you quickly, and will fight against them with the sword of my mouth. So to the people, he's saying, repent, or the the Lord is warning. He says, I will come to you quickly, and I will fight against them. He's going to fight against all these false prophets, false teachers, false whatever. They are fake. They're not presenting the true gospel. They're twisting it for their own personal gain. And like I said, 2020 has proven all these fake prophets and fake apostles, they have no power, they have no authority, they have no credibility. They've lost it. Now they're trying to make excuses. They're hiding in their basement from a coronavirus. Why is that? Why are you hiding? You're supposed to be an apostle. You're supposed to be a prophet. Go out there amongst the people, lay hands on them, and display the power of God. Display the manifestation of the kingdom of heaven. They're not doing that because they don't have any authority. They have no power. It's obvious. They're doing Zoom calls, and they're hiding behind their wives in their bedroom and making excuses. Revelation chapter 2, verse 17. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. Again, the Lord keeps repeating this because people have become deaf. They can't hear the true word of God. They're listening to all the garbage of the world, but they cannot hear the word of God. It's like a mind block. It's like their ears are blocked up. They can't get it across to their mind. They're so badly deceived or they're under such strong delusion. Now they cannot believe truth because they have believed the lie for so long. And that's God's judgment on those who have delusion because the bible says god will send a strong delusion on those who believe the lie and practice the lie and hate the truth so if you have people around you that love lies and deception and they reject the truth they are already under delusion and that's god's judgment on them he's already rejected them and you can't break free you can't break them free from that you can't pray over them you can't do deliverance on them you cannot do anything they are already under delusion how do you know they're under delusion? Because all the lies and manipulation and deception that they believe, they force you or try to force you to believe it, and they point to everybody around them and says, everybody else is wrong, and I am right. That's when you know this, they're in delusion. When everybody around them can say, hello, you are so badly deceived, can't you see it? It's so obvious. Can't you see you're in the depth of darkness? Your life and your whole life is showing the evidence of what a wretched life you have, what a miserable life you have, and you're trying to put on a show and act like, oh, my life is perfect, you're in delusion now. And nobody believes you because it's obvious that you are a messed up basket case. We come across people like that all the time. We live in a valley that people are so badly in delusion. Their life is wrecked. Their life is a total garbage. But they want to put on a show. They want to put on an act like, oh, my life is perfect. I'm, I'm doing great. And they're complete train wreck. That's why the Bible keeps saying, he who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. We must pay attention finally now to the Word of God. We heard all the garbage of the world. We heard all the nasty, wicked men and women all around us. And they want you to hear them all the time, forcing you to hear what they have to say, trying to convince you what they want you to believe. And you got to say, no, I want to hear what the Holy Spirit is saying. And if they're not walking in the Holy Spirit, they have no business to open their mouth. Because they're speaking lies, deception, manipulation. It's the language of the devil. But they're forcing it. They're coercing you. They're manipulating you, deceiving you. They're doing everything possible. Governments are doing that to people right now because of this pandemic. They're gaslighting people. Oh, put on the mask, put on the mask. All the people that got the COVID-19 were wearing their mask when they got the virus. So the mask is ineffective. So It's just a simple example. But to those who have ears, let them hear the truth and separate all the deception. Put aside all the manipulation, all the lies, all the nonsense that goes on, constant, 24-7. To him who overcomes, I will give some of the hidden manna to eat, and I will give him a white stone, and on the stone a new name. Look at how amazing the Lord is. He's like, look, you just pay the price. You just overcome to the end, and I will give you the hidden and manna what angels get to eat. He said, I'm going to give that to you, and I will give him a white stone on a stone, a new name, a new name written which no one knows except him who receives it. It's a very privileged gift that God is giving to each overcoming believer. A white stone with a new name on it that the, only the Lord knows, and you know it. And it's like, wow, that's amazing. God's giving me a brand new name. That name will basically signify your life. If you lived a righteous life, it'll be written righteous or something on that stone. So everywhere you walk and you see that stone, you say, wow, the Lord believes, the Lord looks at me this way. If you were humble, it'll be written humble. If you were whatever else, that's what it'll be written. That's an amazing gift God is giving. So we must understand that God is gracious He's able to bless us with so much. Yeah, we will pay a price. Yeah, we'll go through tribulation. Yeah, we'll suffer a little bit. Yes, we'll be attacked. We'll be mocked. We'll be scorned. We'll be maligned. We'll be backstabbed. All that's happening around you, good for you. That's a good testimony. Don't feel like, oh my goodness, I'm under attack from all sides. Glory to God. Rejoice in your suffering. Rejoice in your persecution. Rejoice for your brethren around the world suffer like that. And they also rejoice. They suffer lack. They suffer hunger. They suffer famine. They suffer all the struggles and poverty and everything. And they still rejoice in Christ. It's only in the West that you find a bunch of wimpy, spineless, gutless cowards, whining, grumbling, complaining, acting like little babies. That's the West. All weak and just, you know, losers. They need to wake up. They need to realize that they are the worst of the whole body of Christ. The persecuted church is glorious. The persecuted church is is waiting eagerly for the Lord. The Western church is looking for the next prophecy and the next dream and the next vision and the next word and, and the next whatever. And they don't get none of it. Why? Because God says, you know what? You're looking in the wrong direction because you're not looking for me. You're looking for your own personal gain We must examine our intentions, our motives, our attitudes, and our view of what we expect of God and what He expects of us. The book of Revelation is a great expectation of what the Lord requires of believers in the end times. So turn it around now. You've been chasing after God, demanding what you want. Now turn that around and say, Lord, I'm not going to ask you for anything. You show me what is it that you want from me. Try that for a day and see how difficult it is for you to walk with Christ. Most Christians are chasing after God, say, give me this, give me that, Lord, When, when this, when is that going to happen? Why is this not happening? Everybody's ready to question God about everything. Why, Lord? Why did this happen, Lord? And why did my puppy die? And Why did this happen? And why? Instead, you should say, Lord, what is it that you want from me? And they'll also say, read the book of Revelation. I've clearly written it down what I require from you. It's not a mystery. It's not a secret. A lot of people confuse, I don't know what God wants from me. He wants you to walk the walk, and He will guide your path every single day. That's what He wants. That's why we are studying this book. We have this part six of the whole book. We've already finished a whole month, and we've not even finished two chapters. Why is that? Because we want to study it in depth so it can go deep into your spirit for you to switch off that demands that you have inside of you, and to say, Lord, show me what you want from me, and let me be a humble servant to obey your commands. That's a true believer. Narcissistic, selfish, self-centered, self-centered, so-called fake Christians are not wanted in heaven. They will not enter heaven. You must understand, we preach to narcissists because they are so clueless of how upside down their, their belief system is. And when they actually read the Bible, open their eyes, actually open their ears to hear and then to understand with their selfish minds, like, oh, really, it's not about me? It's about Jesus. Yes, now walk this way. Oh, that's too hard. I don't like that. Well, then you don't belong to Christ in the first place. That is why you don't like it. Anybody who finds this offensive and, you know, gets bent out of shape, basically, that's the spirit of pride. That's the spirit of Satan. So wake up. This is a wake-up call for you. Think about it. And we're not being mean or rude or whatever. We're trying to just burst your bubble. You've been in this narcissistic bubble for too long. Wake up. The time has run out. The Antichrist will show up, and that's when you will really beg for God's mercy. When the Antichrist shows up and he starts persecuting the church and persecuting the people and forcing you to take the mark of the beast, that's when you better cry out to God, and God would show you mercy. To spare you that day. Those are the prayers you must pray now. Don't pray for selfish things. Pray, Lord, spare me from the day of Antichrist. Where he'll put the mark, he'll force the mark of the beast on wicked, selfish uh, people. If you really say you love Christ, you say you really want to serve Christ, you want to obey him, start praying in a very different way. Say, Lord, spare me from the day of wrath. Spare me from the day of tribulation. Spare me. That I will not be tested like the rest of the world. That should be your prayer. That's it. Prepare me for that day. If that day should come upon me, prepare me for that day. 90% of the church in the West is unprepared. They are weak and spineless and gutless and cowardly. They will not survive. They will not make it with the way that their weak faith is. They need a real wake-up call. And the church leadership has put them to sleep. Instead of waking them up, They are lying to them, deceiving them, manipulating them, and taking their money. That's what the church leadership is doing in this country. But there are a few voices that are saying, no more. Enough is enough. Enough of the deception, enough of the lies, enough of this garbage that goes on 24-7. And to really walk the walk, to really pay the price, to really get ready. The bride of Christ needs to be truly ready for the return of Jesus. So if you are in that place where you're not sure and you're, you're shaken and your foundation is not secure, stand on the Word of God, not on some hazy vision, dream, some bubble, whatever you're in. Wake up from that and say, I need to study this Word. I need to apply it and walk as a disciplined soldier of Christ. Stop being a little baby sheep for the last 20 years. There are too many baby sheeps running around, 40, 50, 60-year-old acting like babies. Anytime I come across people, anybody past 20, I look at them and say, what is wrong with you? Why are you acting like a four-year-old? It's it's a sad situation to see grown-up adults, especially men, acting like little babies. It's like, what happened to this generation and the older generation? Totally wrecked. I don't know what took place, what school they went to, what kind of parents they had. made them grow up to be these wimpy... You know, I got some real choice words for people like that, and I don't say it because then I will have to repent. But it's disgusting to see. But to those who really have a genuine love for God, say, Lord, prepare me, get me ready for that moment, for that time, so that I will pass the test, the test of faith, that if I have to die even, I will die for you. That's the ultimate test. That's the ultimate price. Be prepared for that. We'll continue this series again next week, and we'll keep going through all of this till we finish the book of Revelation. And then we'll go on to the book of Daniel and Ezekiel and compare with the book of Revelation and get a bigger picture of what is taking place all around us in this time. So be prepared, be ready for His return. If you have not believed in Christ and you've heard this for the first time, say, what is the gospel? What are you talking about? What is this craziness in this book of Revelation? It's the coming of Jesus Christ, the second coming, that the body of Christ, the church, the believer, believes in Him, believes in His name, believes that He's the Son of God, and He's preparing for His return. We are in that day. We are in that last hour. John spoke of that 2,000 years ago, saying, we are in the last hour. Today we can say that for sure. We are in the last hour, and we prepare for His return. Don't worry whether you're a rich person, whether you're a successful person, whether you're a famous person, none of that matters. What matters is, are you a faithful person? Are you a humble person? Are you an obedient person? Obedient to Jesus, not to man, not to tradition, not to society, not to government, but to God Almighty and to His Son, Jesus Christ. Say, I don't know this Jesus. Call upon His name. His name means salvation. Yeshua means salvation. God is our salvation. Just call upon His name. The Bible says, whoever calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. It's that simple. There's no religious rituals to do, no traditions to do, nothing. All you have to do is call upon His name. You can be in the middle of the desert, middle of the ocean, middle of a jungle, middle of anywhere, out in the wilderness, and you can call upon Him and He will respond. It's a guarantee. The Bible says that whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. It's a sure thing. So prepare yourself and say, Lord, search my heart, that I've done wrong things and I need a savior. I need you to save me from my own wretchedness, my own wickedness, my own evil ways. That's the time when you will see conversion take place through genuine salvation is a conversion of the heart. It's not just a confession or a sinner's prayer or a formula. No, it's your heart turning to Christ all the way, 100%. That's what conversion means. There's a lot of fake Christianity. There's a lot of fake confessions. A lot of people running around said, I said the sinner's prayer, and their heart never changed. Those are fake Christians. But somebody who truly, genuinely has turned back to God, that is what repentance means that you've turned back to Him. So come into that place. Prepare your heart for that time. Go into your private place and pray that. Just seeking Him, saying, Lord, I need you. I don't know. I don't know what this man is saying. I don't know what he's talking about. I don't know any religion. I've never read the Bible. But I want to know you. It's that simple. You don't need to go to some building or go to a priest or none of that. It's just between you and Almighty God. And say, here I am, Lord, if you truly love me, if you truly want to save me, come save me. I need you. It's that simple. It's a simple way to pray to God. No need to have any rituals or fancy words or some, you know, help from somebody. No, just cry out from the heart and see what happens. So next week we will finish this chapter, hopefully Revelation chapter 2, and then we will... uh, Keep going and keep studying and keep learning and learning how to obey. So we bless you in Jesus' name. If you have requests, prayer requests, if you want us to pray for you, just leave your comments. And if you want to message us directly, let us know. Just leave your email address. We will contact you. Go to our website and you can contact us through our website. The links are below or you can just go to davidelijah.org. And you can find us there, and you can directly contact us, and we can pray for you. So in Jesus' name, amen.